For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. After 10 full chapters encouraging his Christian friends not to give up, the writer to the Hebrews is going to spend some time talking about faith, which he says is the answer to the problems. In this well-known and well-loved chapter, we learn about the nature of faith and see by example how faith made heroes of ordinary men and women in the Old Testament and caused them to endure and receive God's favor. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, The Evidence of Things Unseen. Well, the pastor, and indeed he is one, who's writing to the Hebrews here, um, he is very concerned about the congregation because they're thinking about giving up. Uh, They're really hurting for many years. It's been really tough to live the Christian life under uh, the powers there at Rome, uh, under Roman authorities, and, and uh, they want to stop being Christians. They want to go back to their old life where it's a lot more convenient for them and safe. And uh, the answer to all of their troubles is in one word, faith. And so sometimes you look at Hebrews 11, which is called the, the faith chapter or the, the hall of honor for Old Testament uh, Bible heroes because they're all listed there. And the reason they're listed and what makes them great is because they had faith and we can see and study their lives and try to emulate them. That's the point of chapter 11. But sometimes you just go to chapter 11 because it's like going to 1 Corinthians 13 is the go-to chapter for love, right? So uh, you can go to Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 for the go-to chapter on faith, but what happens is it's isolated from the first 10 chapters. Now you've been studying the first 10 chapters. These are people who want to give up. They want to stop being Christians. They, they, They want to make a disastrous shipwreck of their faith, and they've come to know Christ. They've got the Holy Spirit in their hearts. They've tasted and they've seen that the Lord is good, but you know what? Their lives... Their Jewish friends have cut them off. Their families have alienated them because they went from Judaism to Christianity and, uh, and all kinds of troubles. And he says, listen, friends, your fate hinges on your faith. And thus chapter 11 was born to say this is the answer. This is how you can joyfully accept the confiscation of your property. Like last week, uh, they were coming in and taking their uh, things and their, their land and their, their houses and things like that. They were publicly shaming them and causing them great humiliation, mocking and insults and death threats and intimidation. And, and they wanted to stop. And he says, here's your answer, faith. You need more faith, and you need to, and let's bring up all of the Hebrews, they're Hebrews, let's bring up the entire Old Testament of Hebrews who had a little bit of that faith. Let's look at their lives and and see that that's the way they made it, and the same way that they made it through and, and received the reward 
uh, we will do the same if we follow their example. And so that's really the context of it. Uh, his last words were kind of shocking, you know. He first, um, he told them what a disaster it would be to renounce Christ after uh, having known him. That's just a shipwreck nobody wants to, to have happen. And he talked about that in such shocking terms, didn't he? I mean, those warning passages in Hebrews are spine-tingling, you know. Um, I was watching a show that reminded me of this dynamic. I was watching ER, and some guy came in with uh, arrhythmia, which is an irregular heartbeat. So, you know, he's unstable because it's not a good thing when your heart is irregular, amen? We want that thing like on time and doing its thing right. And so they said, hey, listen, we've got a cure for it. Lay down, we're going to put these paddles on you. And we're going to just, you're going to feel a shock, all right? But this is going to shock your heart into regular sinus rhythm, we hope, all right? So they hook him up and they say, clear. Poor guy, the look on his face when they said clear. It's like everybody's backing away and he's like, oh, no. (laughs) Clear. And you see him go, and then you see, you see this, and then you see boop, 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 And he's like, it worked, right? The shock of these Hebrew passages, spiritually speaking, you wanting to what? You wanting to quit on Jesus? Well, uh, let me tell you what that looks like from God's point of view. All clear, <laughs> boom, you know, and so... That's what we closed out on and not without an encouragement. He said, listen, last words, and then we jump, jump into the faith chapter. He says, the coming one, they used to call Jesus the coming one. The coming one is coming. He will appear, and he's not going to commend your compromise. He, if you are intimidated and you withdraw and shrink back, he says, what reward is there for that. So he says, when, when Christ appears, you want to be head held high, doing your father's work and, and no regrets and receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so with those words, he said, and how do we do that? And then he quotes a Jewish prophet that they would know, Habakkuk. And he says, and the Lord speaking first person through Habakkuk and says, Just like it says in our scriptures, the person who's been put right with me, says the Lord, shall live by faith. And there you have it. So now he's saying, hey, let's talk about that. Here's what faith looks like. Because God said, hey, if you're going to live with me and make it to the finish line, it's about living by faith. Let's talk about that. Verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. This is what the ancients, who will appear, 17 of them, Old Testament heroes, shall appear in this chapter. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, we'll park there because this is as far as we're going to go. We're going to talk about faith. Faith is so important. It, it not only unlocks the door to eternal life 
the door that leads to heaven that gets us started, but it helps us maintain the walk on the straight and narrow path. It's the foundation of the Christian life. So uh, we cannot go wrong in having a discussion about what these verses mean. And I'll tell you what, books and palm books have been written just on verse one. So these are three verses in a row, one, two, and three. And you know what? Let's divide it that way, our conversation, all right? Uh, Number one, uh, verse one, will be a working definition. Verse two will be a glorious commendation. And verse three will be a universe with a purpose. All right, so let's talk about the working definition of faith. Now, this is a definition that most Christians, not only do they know it, but they've memorized it. And, and, and it basically is more align, uh, uh, along the lines of a King James or American Standard Version of faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now, this is not an exhaustive uh, definition of faith, like uh, this is the only thing faith is, but it's very helpful. It's very concise. And it tells you a lot. And actually, all the action that's going to go on in this chapter can be all traced back to kind of illustrating what he means by verse 1. And so we're going to take a look at this working definition of what it means to have faith, biblical faith in God. Well, the first helpful word is the assurance, right? So faith is all about assurance of unseen future realities. Now, the Greek is going to be helpful for this word. The Greek that says faith is the, and the Greek word is hypostasis, which means substance or essence. NIV has being sure. It means the conviction, the awareness of the fact, the assurance, the confidence. This is what this word means. In fact, it's used only twice before in the book, and that would be chapter one and verse three, where he says, you know, Jesus is the very image of God's hypostasis, which means substance or essence. So what he told them already about Jesus, hey, look, listen, Jesus is God poured into a human body. He's the very essence and substance and stuff of God. And so that's that word is, is being sure is really being sure. It's this confident conviction. The second time he uses hypostasis, he says, believers partner with Jesus if they hold fast their hypostasis to the end. And in that sense, it means confidence and assurance. All right, so we get the, 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 the gist of it here. Uh, faith is about being sure. Now, that is something that the world can't understand. You know, it's like to them, faith is like if you know, and and kind of shadowy and has no substance. But biblical definition of faith is that it really has substance. It's unseen, but it has evidence and proof. Uh, Let me talk about that for a second. Now, how can you be sure of things you cannot see? Well, it's about this word hope. Now, hope in English uh, talks about a desire that may or may not come to pass. All right, so you say, I hope it doesn't rain on my wedding day. Well, you know, 
It may not, but, you know, you might want to have a couple umbrellas because it may, right? Or you could say, I hope you feel better. And we really do hope you feel better, but you know what? You might feel worse. <laughs> you know, we hope not. Hope, worldly hope. It's like, we don't know. We have a wish. It could go either way. All right, you know, I hope you don't mind that I borrowed your... See, now that really depends on the next word, <laughs> right? <laughs> I borrowed your pen. <laughs> no problem. I borrowed your toothbrush. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not cool. Now, biblical hope, get this, get this good, let it go in there. Biblical hope means an anticipation of a future reality that must come to pass. There's no ambiguity about the outcome of biblical hope. None whatsoever. It's a done deal. It's a fact. It's coming. And you're patiently, calmly anticipating it. That's it. For example, Titus chapter 1 says, the hope of eternal life. That does not mean like, oh, well, you know, maybe we sort of, you know, we are hoping, you know, we just do everything the Bible says and we hope, you know, you either you might have it, you might not have it. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Not an anxious desire of ours that could go one way or the other, but a joyful, confident expectation of having obtained it already, though it's not yet fully realized. It will be, and it must be. Therefore, it is a hope in the sense that it is there waiting. I have a hope that I'm just waiting to receive. That is the start of the biblical understanding of what faith and hope are, are pointing to. The lexicon uh, of Greek languages <laughs> says that uh, faith is the title deed of things hoped for. It, it's owned, it's done, it's there, it's God's word, it cannot be changed. We're dealing with God, not some man who changes his mind or can lie but with God. And that's actually a paraphrase of one of the scriptures about him. So assurance then, assurance, taking God at his word, that prompts action. This is faith. It ha faith isn't just this thought, oh, I believe that something may happen. It's such an assurance that it causes you to make some changes. You take action based on what you know and are assured that will happen. So in other words, if you truly have faith in God, then your life will reflect that. James chapter two, James says, oh, everybody's talking to him about their faith. He says, I'll show you my faith by my actions. You see, so biblical faith isn't just an, an intellectual assent that there's a God out there somewhere. Oh, I believe in God. 86% of Americans say, I believe in God. I was born in America. I'm basically a good guy. Yeah. I say the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> to the flag and all of that, you know. You know, I give you a guy, uh, uh, the, the shirt off my back. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Your life, sir. Your life. Your life will tell us if you just think there is a God or you have trusted in God, therefore you don't do this and you do do that. 
and you stopped doing this and you started doing that because your assurance in things unseen has prompted evidence that now becomes seen. That's the meaning of the verse. God never asks anybody, by the way, to do something called blind faith. Faith, Christian faith is not blind. <laughs> there's evidence, there's substance, there's reality. How you explain that to an unbeliever is very difficult. But we know it the second it happens to us. We know we're changed. Something happened to me. Uh, you all know my testimony, 1979. I'm 19 years old, never been in church a day in my life, never wanted to be. Doing my thing, partying with my friends, out in a nightclub, and a voice in my head. I'm the whole room spinning. Why will you go to hell when you don't have to? Over and over again. I started to, as you know the story, say the words. Why will you go to hell when you don't have to? Why will you go to hell when you don't have to? My brother saw me. He was in the bar. We were both underage. <laughs> I wasn't saved, all right? He comes over to me, slapping me around. I don't even remember getting out of the bar. I was not high. I was not drinking. I was planning on it, but I was not yet. And we walked out of the bar, and he says, what is going on in there? And I'm going, oh, I, uh, I think Jesus is talking to me. And, uh, and I was hoping in my sick little mind that, that Darian would say, bro, come on. Let's go back in the bar. Friends are in there. Man, what are you doing? You're embarrassing me. I wanted him to say that. But instead, he started tears welling up, and he said, man, God is speaking to me, too. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we're finished. <laughs> I was born again. The light came on, and I was this person you see here. I, Ten seconds before that, I hated Christianity, wanted nothing to do with God, and just live in my sin. We got in the car. We went home to Santa Cruz, where my parents managed a hotel. My father was a fresh, brand new, born-again Christian who we sort of uh, rejected as crazy. And there he was with an open Bible. We bust through the doors. Mom and Dad, Ross has heard from heaven. We're Christians now. <laughs> my mother became a Christian just on that evidence alone. <laughs> that night. We got down, <laughs> I'm gonna cry every time I tell the story. We get down on our knees in a hotel room that they managed, the front room there. And my father, just brand new, 55 years old, just came to the Lord, a Jew from Brooklyn, reading a Bible. I told him, I said, Dad, it's against the rules for us to get saved. You can't, you can't become a Christian, you're a Jew. And, and then he started telling me, Jesus was born of a Jew. He descended from Jewish people. Yeah, these are Jewish promises. They're Jewish. I said, Dad, enough. That's why I moved. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is if you think that this is blind faith. I've got evidence. It started in me, a presence. He's called the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if anyone does my will, the Father and I will come and make our home in them. So there's your evidence. You heard, you trusted, and then 
evidence of things unseen happened. The evidence is I walked out of that bar and now I'm talking to people about Jesus. I'm going to Bible school in six months and I'm doing something that I never could do. I told you the story about uh, I had a phobia. I, I could not stand in front of people and talk ever. And so I avoided every class in high school about public speak, speaking. I failed anything to do that involved an oral report of any kind. I just would drop the class. I almost did not graduate high school for one reason and one reason only. I would not stand in front of people and talk. All right? I went to the guidance counselor. I said, listen, I want to go to, to, to college but I need a school that doesn't require any speech. <laughs> I sat there, God is my witness, with an open book of all the schools that I could choose from. And he was sitting there, and I was sitting there, and I took my finger, and I went down every list of every university just looking for speech. Turn the page, nope. Turn the page, nope. So then I get saved. What starts to happen? I go to Bible college. And then they say, you know what? You've got to take a preaching class. Really? <laughs> preaching? 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 Are you kidding me? No, I, I don't do that. And then I could hear the Lord saying, you what? <laughs> I'm telling you what. I took that class. I prepared. I was shaking. I got physically ill right before. I stood up and I stood behind the pulpit and this happened to me. This happened to me. It, it didn't happen. It didn't grow. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you something. I have faith, but it's not faith. It's evidence. I, I'm the only one who gets to see how did this happen? How did this happen to me? How did I even become a Christian? And then how did I have to make my life 35 years? I make my living talking in front of people. What is that? That is, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain evidence, proof of what we do not see. Come on. Peter gets out of the boat, right? Because he hears a word, come to me. Come on out here. Give it a whirl. Faith, assurance. Assurance says He's telling me I can, even though, you know, that is water. He gets out, and he puts faith into action, and the evidence of things unseen becomes his reality because of his faith. It wasn't blind. It was assurance. I can step out, and I'm going to walk. What was the proof? He didn't sink. And there are people in this room who are your living proof, your, your unseen evidence is your life. You're living as a Christian. You're telling people about Jesus. You've stopped doing drugs and alcohol. We have a whole group in this church like that. They are filling their hearts with faith. They are sure of what they are hoping for. And they have evidence of the unseen. That's just the way it is. Can I just give you another example from a recent uh, 
air, air, airplane trip. You know, I'm on planes now one, a few times a year. And you know when she comes out and she says, you know, this is the time where nobody pays attention, you know. <laughs> and she says, should there be a sudden depressurization of the cabin in an unlikely event? <laughs> well, they are unlikely, but I just hate hearing those words. <laughs> this mask will drop down. Put it on your head like this and breathe normally. By the way, sometimes the mask will not appear to be inflating. You are getting oxygen, though it doesn't look like it. Keep the mask on and breathe normally. What do you mean? (laughs) Breathe normally. What do you mean? telling me there's oxygen in a see-through bag that's not inflating. Oh, don't worry, air's still in there. Where? Where? I want proof of this air, right? This is faith. You must have a circumstance where the bag appears not to inflate. You've been told you're still getting the air. You need to relax and do as I said, and you have a choice to exercise faith in a circumstance that doesn't look like it's going to work and breathe normally and live or go, what the heck are you talking about? There's no air in here. Look at this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's your choice. (laughs) You get two choices. Have faith. What's the evidence of things unseen? You're breathing. You're breathing and probably complaining, which means you have air to give voice. (laughs) That's the deal. That's the deal. Oh, all of us have so much evidence. It's just hard to tell an unbeliever about it. It's like, oh, you have no idea who I used to be. That's evidence. Ontological change counts as evidence and proof. Something happened, you know? John 17 I should say John 7, verse 17. Maybe this verse has missed your notice. It's a good one. Jesus tells people, if you want to know if my teaching is from God, if I'm the real deal or not, do God's will, put it into practice, and then you'll know. Oh, I love that. He says, you want the evidence? Oh, I just can't believe I don't have, you know, it's just faith. It's just like shadows and no substance. He says, do, take me at my word, direct your life accordingly, and your sight will be restored. You will see. You will see. The things unseen become seen with faith. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, bow the knee and you will see. I made that up. First service loved it. What is wrong? This is a reversal of weirdness. (laughs) First service, love that. Bow the knee, bow the knee first. Oh, no, 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 no. You show me the miracle first, then I'll bow the knee. It doesn't work that way. He says, put my word to practice. Show me, take me at my word. Direct your life accordingly and the evidence of unseen things shall become your reality. That's just the way it is. 
I love that scripture a lot. So, so, so I think we have an idea of what we're talking about when we say faith in this regard. And now secondly, that second verse, a glorious commendation, God's approval. So if anybody in the sound of my voice wants God to be happy with you, if anybody would like God's applause or approval, it's right here for you. That God looked at these Old Testament characters that we're about to do a study on and said, two thumbs up for you. God, who spoke and made the worlds, looks at this guy's life. Let's pull one out. Noah says, I commend you. A plus. Angels, let's start applauding. Heaven breaks into applause. And this is why. Not for their riches. Not for their ingenuity. Not for their gifts. Not for their intellect. Not for their bank accounts. Not for their beauty or their sensuality. All the things the world applauds applauds for is not what God applauds for. He says, these folks had nothing but a naked promise from God to hold on to. They directed their lives accordingly and received things unseen. That's what he commends. Oh, you're going to find like a statue or, or monument to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or to Noah, or Isaiah, or any of these people. No. Why? Because what God commended them for is worthless in the world's thinking. That's why you don't hear it. You can't go and see uh, this beautiful monument built in honor of all God's heroes, because all God's heroes are losers in this world, most of them. That's what he says. Luke chapter 16 and verse 15. What people, Jesus speaking, what people highly value in this world is detestable in God's sight. You see, so if you want heaven to break into applause, then you have to have the kind of faith that these Old Testament characters had and exercised. These are the kinds of lives that we will emulate. And, 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 and always what makes faith faith is that the bag must not appear to be inflating. Your circumstance has to shout back at you, well, that can't happen, right? Oh, Jesus can't come through the clouds and... Come on, living forever, eternal life, and ruling and reigning in a kingdom that lasts a thousand years. Come on. Where I need a little of the, I need to see the bag puff up a little bit. No, you will see the bag fluff up a little bit when you believe. And that's how it always happens. And so God commends these ancients for this quality. You know? Noah, build a boat. Build a boat, Noah, even though it's never rained. It has not rained yet. The earth is protected by this beautiful biosphere kind of deal, right? Build a boat. The place is going to flood. Well, Lord, it's been sunny and mild for 2,000 years here. (laughs) You know? He didn't do that. 
He built the boat. And, and, and what happened? The assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Eight souls, high and dry, safe and sound. Took him at his word. The back was deflated. Trust me on this. The big, big boat. Come on. <laughs> he builds it anyway. And they're laughing at him all those years. But one day, there was a sound of a door shutting. And then some clouds. And then they felt drops on their skin. And they looked over at the boat. And they went, that's it. The door was locked. But his faith saved him and ate others. David, I want you to go face that bad boy. I know he's three feet taller than you are and his armor weighs more than you. But, you know, go after him, man. Just go after him. Let's take him out, okay? And so he gets his stones and the Holy Spirit just causes one of those stones to be a heat-seeking missile. (laughs) And he guides it straight to the big giant's forehead and down he goes. Why? Now, come on. The bag was not even a little bit inflated with the command to go out there in his own thinking and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in David's heart. The assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. In this case, the giant falls over. Boom. Stone to the forehead. You know, don't bow to Nebuchadnezzar's 90-foot golden statue. I know they're going to throw you in the furnace. But I want you not to bow. We hear the word. We direct our lives accordingly. The bag is not deflated because there is a furnace burning. (laughs) Seven times hotter. But they come out and their clothes are not even singed, nor do they smell of smoke. Why? Because the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this is what He commends the ancients for. You know, problem is the moderns are disapproved while the ancients are approved. The moderns want to see before they believe. They want to see proof under the microscope. And if they had faith, there is proof under the microscope. Uh, But it doesn't work that way. So um, we're going to take a look now at number three. We've seen a working definition Secondly, a glorious commendation. And now a universe with a purpose created by God, by his word, the invisible word of God. Um, So verse three, by faith we understand that the universe, all of existence and us, was formed at God's command, Genesis 1, so that what what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, I was having a conversation with an atheist. It's kind of one of my hobbies. (laughs) And sure enough, I find them everywhere, or I should say they find me. And generally speaking, they start the conversation, (laughs) and I end it. (laughs) Uh, Usually, they're pretty good conversations, I might add. So uh, we were just talking recently. Now, having faith really is... Um, it starts out at creation, answering the question, how did we all get here? 
Where did this come from? So it's at creation that you either go left or right or really up or down. You have a worldview of, hey, I'm, uh, I'm in charge. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just one person in the midst of all this, and there's no way anybody's paying attention. I'll get lost in the crowd and just live my own life. Or you look around at creation, and you can see the fingerprints of God Almighty. Understand that you didn't do this and that there must be a God, and that you'll come under him and serve the creator rather than the created thing. And so, you know, we start talking, and he's talking about the Big Bang and explaining that a a Big Bang happened, there was dense material, and it exploded. So you know what Christians always say, you know, where did the dense material come from, that's a problem. What caused the explosion, that's another problem. And what directed the organization of all life as we know it from the Big Bang? So the answer comes back, chance. So I say back to them, you do realize the, de- the definition of the word chance. The definition of the word chance is the probability of something happening. It is not a force. I'm asking you, what force initiated the organization of plant life, marine life, bird life, animal life, um, the, the natural, natural cycles of life, human beings? What's the force? It just can't be chance. Well, they, they, this one in particular brought up the monkey and the typewriter thing. Have you ever heard of that? I've got a picture of it to help you out. I can't resist these kinds of things. Ow. The idea is if you give enough monkeys, enough typewriters, and enough time, eventually they will type out all of the works of Shakespeare. (laughs) So what they're saying is is you just need a gazillion years and chance, which is not an active force, so something has to be working. Okay, that the energies of the universe are just working, and if, if over a billion years they'll work in such a way to produce everybody, everything from nothing and no one. And I said, "You have more faith than I do. <laughs> I would like some of that faith, you know, because it is faith. It is faith. It's misdirected." Right? It, and, and, and you know, here's, here's the problem with this. The opposite of faith, thank you for the monkey, by the way. I'll tell you what you get when you put a monkey in a room with the typewriter a big mess. <laughs> a big mess to clean up. Oh, my questions always are like, well, where'd you get the monkey? Right? <laughs> Who built the typewriter? You know, I'm no fun to have coffee with uh, that way. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, get this. The opposite of faith is not lack of faith biblically. The opposite of faith biblically is willing unbelief. All right? So in Acts 11 and in... I misquoted that. Acts 14 and verse 2 in Acts and in Numbers, I should say, chapter 14, verse 11, the, the, the sayings, and there are more of them. It's always about 
a refusal to believe. So God sees not having faith as a willful decision that you have enough general information to take the next step and to decide I'm going toward the light, but instead you willfully, with the understanding from creation, from your conscience, and from the world around you, uh, that you willingly back off in the other direction. Let me prove my point to you and, and, and look at Romans chapter one. So God's upset, the wrath of God. It's being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress. Now, suppress is an action of the will, right? You're, you're pushing something down. So you're responsible if you're suppressing something that you shouldn't be. And when are you suppressing? The truth. Well, you'd have to know what you're doing in order to suppress something. And, and in this case, they know it's truth. Okay, who suppress the truth by their behavior because they want to do what they want to do. They know the truth, but they push the truth down because they want this. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. So the indictment of the Holy Spirit to mankind is is that they know it's plain and evident that there is a God and it's not them. They know they get that part. But this, I mean, it gets worse and worse depending on who you are in the story. Uh, okay, so since what, is, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. God has made it plain to them. Every unbeliever you know is them. Every single one of them. They have a human soul. They have a Holy Spirit. They have the stars that declare the glory of God. They have enough general information to start to head in the direction of faith because God himself is saying, I personally have talked to them. Wow. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, so you can't see him, Right? But you, get, you see what he touched and what he did. His eternal power, you can't see it. His divine nature, you can't see it. But they've been clearly seen, being understood from what, is, what he made, so that men are without excuse. So if you see this beautiful Monet, you can ask, who painted that? So if you see this beautiful creation, you're going to ask, well, who designed that? I mean, there's enough evidence in a blade of grass for their existence of God, photosynthesis, the chemistry involved, and all the cells know what to do. How do they know how to do that? Why is the perfect amount of nitrogen and oxygen, perfect amounts of sunshine, and they're just like little solar panels sucking up the energy, just know what to do? Who, who told them how to do that? Who told a bird where to go when it gets cold? They all go, and they end up going the same place. The same hotel every single year. <laughs> and it's the one we end up in. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not done yet here. <laughs> so that men, every single person you know, every single person you know who says, ah, is in this word. They are 
without excuse. Every last one. There's no one exception. Oh, yeah, but he was, you know, born in an incubator and, you know, he's been in that incubator <laughs> for his whole life. And, you know, no, no, sorry. Because God can get into the incubator by his Holy Spirit and into the human fabric of a soul that he gave life to. He's, he's the one saying, I'm the one who's making it plain to them. Now, whether what they've suppressed, that they're responsible for that, you know? For although they, here, he's, on a, he's, on, he's trying to make a point. For although they, every single person you know, every single person you know who's an unbeliever, knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Thank you for that. Here's the deal. Well, here's what he's saying. There's no such thing as an uninformed soul. So it's not that you, they need more information. They need to change their heart about the information they already have been provided. So when they say yes to a little light, then more light is given to them. But God is at work and he's saying, I may, I've given them enough information. Uh, in other words, creation proclaims it. Their own conscience informs them. The Holy Spirit convicts them. The word of God instructs them. The people of God testify to them. That's why he says, therefore, on that great and awesome day when they stand before God at the great white throne and at the end of which is no happy ending. Great white throne, if you ever hear that, or if you wake up and see a great white throne, <laughs> not good. There will be no first time meeting at the great white throne. They've met. The door's been shut in the face, but they've met. They've got information. God would never allow their will to be done and remain outside and not have adequate information to base that eternal choice on. They are well, well informed. Romans chapter one. Now, do we have to put that in their face all the time? No. If you want to have a conversation with them, you leave Romans out of it for a while. And you just talk lovingly and you play along with it. You play along with it and just pray that God will open their eyes and you are truthful and honest with them about all of these things. And so interestingly, now as we're getting ready to wrap things up, it always starts at creation where it always must Start, you know, baby step one. Let me read John MacArthur to you. Uh, uh, Grace Community in L.A., just a great guy. He's very wordy, but he's very, he's good. Not, I don't have that problem. <laughs> Here's the quote. Modern man has put himself in a dilemma. Throughout virtually all history, man had what philosophers called a unified field of knowledge. That is, man understood that supernatural, that the supernatural, human history, science, ethics, economics, everything within one frame had that within one frame of reference. These areas were all part of the total reality. But then came a great movement philosophers called rationalism, which denied the supernatural, including as, and especially including God and creation. 
So once you take God and the supernatural out, you have just chaos. You have random universe spinning out of control. You have people here don't know why, what we're supposed to be doing, what's the goal that we die. It's just Ecclesiastes 12 chapters on the meaninglessness of life without God. 12 chapters. He's like, why even get out of bed in the morning? You know, Ecclesiastes is a great book. Uh, but at the end, he, he realizes that God uh, is the reason. You see, God is the reason. And so once you take God out of the equation, just as one big mysterious cycle of endless Futility. Here's what the Lord said about creation. This is what the Lord God says, Isaiah 42, verse 5. He says, He who created the heavens, stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it, I am the Lord. And you have a choice to either accept that and come under and then see or deny that, resist that, and reject that and be further blinded. See, it works both ways. I thought I'd close with some fingerprints that apparently when he says, you know, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. And Romans 1 says, we can see something about him and we know he's there by just looking around at the world. And so I just, I just got some pictures for you and dim the lights. You know, the facts about this thing, the facts are they don't even have numbers to go that high. You know, they'll, they'll try to tell you how fast it's expanding and how far and wide and vast the sum of it. But to know in our Bible that God spoke and Jesus is the person who claims uh, responsibility for this by speaking. That's a pretty amazing thing. I think you can handle anything, all my problems. <laughs> all right, so this was just there, apparently. <laughs> you know, the bees that have to be there to pollinate, but they've got the things built on their little hanging things, you know, with the little thing to, they're little pollen catchers, you know, but they just know where to get that pollen, you know, and it just happened to be a pollen catcher by chance. And, and all right. Next. Come on. You know, you see a Rembrandt, you say, you know, I'd like to meet the artist someday. Well, you are going to meet the artist someday. Friend or foe is the only thing you're determining. Next one. No. Come on. No monkey typed that out. <laughs> Next one. I just do you know those paws and the eyes and the ears and, and the fur coat, the fur coat to keep them warm, you know? Aren't monkeys considerate? <laughs> he typed in the fur coat for him. All right, next. You know, first of all, I want one of those. <laughs> I'm going to ask in the kingdom, you know, the lion lays down with the lamb. So apparently they're there, right? So I'm going to ask if I could have one. <laughs> all right, next. Okay. Come on. 
I feel sorry for anybody who lives in India because they're responsible for this information because that's where they hang out. You cannot. Look, that bird can fly too. And of course, that's the boy version because, yeah, you know. <laughs> if you got it, you know. <laughs> He's like, I'm all this and all that. You know, come on. Next. Just, it just doesn't stop. You can look up that way and go, oh, and you can look around you and go, oh, and you can look in the water and go, what? It's everywhere. And then the best one of all. Come on. He does good work. You just let me tell you one thing about that baby. For 90 minutes, that baby was one cell. Oh, it was a half cell from mom, a half cell from dad, came together, and for one and a half hours, that human being was one simple cell. And somehow, with nobody telling those cells what to do, they all became a hundred trillion cells to house a spiritual being that can, has rational functionings and moral capacities and, and artistic inclinations and can sing and, and dance and destroy things. <laughs> <laughs> and make you go, oh, that was adorable. <laughs> I knit you together in your mother's womb. All life comes from God. And he's calling right now. <laughs> you may hear it. The evidence of things unseen. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, just so obvious. <laughs> This looking around that you've got a plan and you are the Lord and you are great and mighty. And thank you, Lord, for, for opening our eyes. Lord, a lot of us were tough uh, uh, to reel in ourselves, Lord. Many of us were atheists and agnostics, dragging our feet and making it difficult. And even once we're with you, we require extra grace. So God, we just thank you for your long suffering and your patience with us all. We do pray, Lord, for this thing called faith, that you'd increase it and help us to have opportunities to exercise it more and more. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org or find us on Facebook. These podcasts are also available in video format on our Calvary Chapel The Rock YouTube page.